I enjoyed having Kurt Eason with us this morning. Appreciate the information he shared with us about Southern African Bible College, the challenges that they face, the opportunities that abound for them. Really appreciated his lesson this morning, uh, Jehoshaphat taken out of Second Chronicles 20. And as he had encouraged you, I would do likewise. I encourage you to read that chapter and to meditate upon it. Uh, in light of the song that we sung, that his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Satan wants to say, tell us, no, it's not. But God says, yes, it is. And as you read and study, as you, all the way through the Old Testament, particularly that Second Chronicles chapter 20, you're reminded over and over again, if we believe God is, that his word is true, that he keeps his word, that he will protect those that he loves, then our task is to believe it and then to go forth. The battle belongs to the Lord. One of those camp songs that we sing, the battle belongs to the Lord. Ours is to believe that enough to, for us to be willing to step out and to be willing to trust him in decisions that we make along the way. Jesus reminds us in the Gospel of Matthew and in chapter 11, and verses 28 through 30. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Again, the yoke is what held two oxen together to do the farming or the pulling, uh, whatever it needed to be. And the yoke and the oxen had to work together. One did not do all the work. They had to work together. And Jesus is saying we take a yoke upon us when we decide to become his children. He has a part of the yoke, and we have a part of the yoke. And we're to work together. And ours is to believe that he will do his part. And if we do our part, indeed, the yoke is easy and the burden is light. There is a power in an invitation. There's always been something special about receiving an invitation, except for the one that came from the President of the United States that says, greetings, you have hereby been inducted into the armed forces of the United States. And that wasn't a pleasant greeting. Uh, but outside that, usually the greetings are pleasant or the invitations are pleasant to receive. To make you feel special, whatever it may be, graduation, a wedding, whatever it may be, receiving an invitation addressed to you or being invited makes you feel special, makes us feel wanted, and makes us feel accepted along the way. Well, the Bible is full of invitations that are extended by God to humanity, and ours is to feel that we have been honored. You think about it. 
Do you not feel honored that the God of the universe has invited you to come and to share with him? And to be a part of his family? And how blessed that feeling is when it has been accepted. And to be willing to share that with others. Isaiah reminds us in his book, back in chapter 1 of Isaiah, verses 18 and following, he says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. And you need to stop and, and dwell on that for a little bit. How good it is for us to reason together. Who is going to give the instructions? And who is the one who needs to heed the instructions that are given? You're going to reason with God. It is with that understanding that His will, His word, His way is right. Go back to Second Chronicles 20 again. Israel being told, get ready for the battle. You've got armies coming from the three, three sides and they're out to destroy you. You have to believe that God says when you get ready to go, the battle is his. He's won it for us and we will go forth with it. And I always thought it was interesting too with the illustration that he, had, he set the, the singers out in front of the army. <laughs> you know, sorry about that guy. You know, <laughs> that's the way he wanted them to be out in the front. You know, doesn't sound logical, does it? But God is in control. When you set the singers out in front, you're saying that that's where your trust is is in God. We're thinking about the mind of the army that we're a part of that may be behind us, and we forget about the commander-in-chief that is above us. And if he is above us and the battle belongs to the Lord, how could we not but want to sing praises unto God? Come and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Ever seen that comparison? Something blood red? And the possibility of making that as white as snow? You soil a garment, a white garment, cherry juice, whatever it is you want to use, you just think about making that as pure as white snow. But God is able to do that. The fact that God can consider the sins that we have committed as white as snow. Is that not something that we want to invite others to partake of? To have a share in that glorious opportunity that is there? Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. But it's 19. The hope, the promise is there. Everything you have done can be washed away and it can be as white as snow. If that little two-letter word will pop up many times in the scriptures with reference to us and what we need to be willing to do. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good 
of the land. But, there's a three-letter word, but if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The invitation to the sinner. No way that you can cleanse your own life. No way you can make a life right with God. Only God can do that. If you are willing and if you are obedient, God can do that for you. We're reminded of the offering for forgiveness that God extends to us or for all humanity. Forgiveness of our sins for those who are willing to obey out of Acts 2 verse 38. He who believes and obeys, he who believes, confesses and believes and is baptized shall find remission of sins. There's a condition. God has always had conditions. He is the creator. He set everything into motion and everything in the world has his conditions laid upon it. The stars, the galaxies, everything he's created on this earth, the plant life, animal life, human life, all have conditions. And when they are obeyed, and when they are met, they are indeed beautiful. It's always a pleasure, a joy to see the created world that God has made. It's always a shame to see how man has devastated what God has created. How natural parks have been ruined by the inconsiderate visitors that go there and trash it. But the beauty of God's creation, when it is obeyed, the beauty of salvation with God, when it is obeyed, is that not an invitation that you would want to extend to somebody else that has not yet heard it? And we talked about it, and, he, and Kurt mentioned as well, I mean, you've got so many out there who do not want to receive it, so it seems. So it seems we look for the immediate results as we oftentimes do and forget our job is to go scatter the seed. Water upon the seed. Ours is to go and invite. Yea, the majority are going to say no. But you never know that one that we may indeed accept in places where We've distributed tracts. And as you hand them out and you walk around the, the neighborhood again and you find them wadded up and tossed in the gutter, had an individual who came with a watered up track in his hand and said, I want to learn more about what you have here. And obeyed the gospel. Simply because it's refused by one does not mean it will be refused by another. And the prayer is still with the one who watered it up and threw it away. Has no idea what he threw away. You ever see a account where they, on the news occasionally somebody had, won, had a winning ticket for a lottery 
and had tossed it away and then spent hours going through trash cans and <laughs> whatever it is trying to find it. Realized I had a treasure in their hand and they threw it away. How many are doing that spiritually? And how many are we trying to reach spiritually so that they see the value of the treasure that is being offered to them? A little bit later in Isaiah, over in chapter 55. God invites the destitute, those who have nothing. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? And your wages for what does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. And let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me here. And your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. We pursue aggressively at times. We pursue the earthly treasures, whatever they may be to us. We all have different ones that we have likes for and want to, whatever it is, accumulate. But why not pursue that aggressively for what is eternal? And have this everlasting covenant with God. It's there. He has an everlasting covenant that he's made with man. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. He's made an everlasting covenant with man. Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. It's there. Why would we not pursue it and why would we not want to Share that with others. And it is with simple, a simple invitation. Come and study with me. Come and worship. Let's open the Bible together and study. You have some good questions. Let's see what God has to say along with those questions. Jesus invites the weary and the heavy laden, as we read in Matthew 11, offering spiritual rest for those who are willing to become his disciples. Whenever you've gained a prize or gained what you've been pursuing, there's a joy there. And when you have that joy, you want, you should want, we should want to share that with others. Share that joy. You can see the world with a different perspective than when you are in the world. So you're not of the world any longer. So you're able to pull back and you're able to look at the world in a different light. And our desire is wanting to help others to see that different light and why, why it is there and why it changes your life. It makes a difference. It doesn't remove all the problems because all the problems are there for a reason. Let it help us. Remind us. This physical body is only designed to grow old and to decay. 
doesn't matter where you are. I read recently of a couple, I think one was 105 and the other one was 101. They're being celebrated as the oldest living couple. But guess what? Within a short time, that won't be. However long that, that may go on, but it's just saying this body is not designed to live forever. It has a temporary abode here. And then it's going back to the dust from which it came. But that soul, that soul that is eternal, that moves on. And if we decide decided where we want that soul to be eternally, we will find that indeed it is well worth it. That whatever sacrifice we made here, because again, whatever we pursue, we leave it behind. And we need to pursue that which is eternal along the way. The Holy Spirit invites us to come and to drink and be filled. Revelation 22 and 17. The Spirit says, come. Let him who thirsts come. Come and drink deeply of eternal waters, everlasting waters. We're singing an invitation song occasion. There's the fountain free. Tis for you, tis for me. The fountain that's open for all. Well, the fountain is not free. It costs the blood of Jesus. It costs God his son. And for those that want to drink of it freely, have to be willing to meet the conditions that are laid forth. You're going to come after him. You have to deny yourself. Luke says you have to deny yourself daily and take up that cross and follow me. There's a price. But the price of eternal life is worth the sacrifice as we view it in order to achieve it. God, the Son, the Spirit, give their invitation. And human gives their invitations as well. Look back earlier, back to Isaiah, back to the second chapter this time. Isaiah is prophesying what's going to take place when Jesus comes. Now shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, Come. Individuals, people are making invitations. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths. Come to the house of the Lord, all nations. That invitation that human beings will make to all nations. It's amazing to hear and to read and to rejoice and mission reports that come back from different parts of the world what's being done. Kurt was mentioning this morning, how would we think if we had that opportunity that there were just people 
just begging for someone to teach them the gospel. Share with us the word of God. See, sometimes we look for the miracles and as was brought out. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it takes a lifetime of an individual and they may not ever see it. But offering that invitation, one never knows. Known a seed that's been planted in Arkansas that bore fruit in California. A generation later, a generation later, what the seed was sown elsewhere, and a generation later it bore fruit in another part of the United States. Never know what's involved and the changes that will be made. Come and learn. Teach us his ways, and that's that key in there as well. I have my mind at times as to what I believe I would like to do for the cause of Christ. I have a way of thinking at times that this is the way it needs to be. This is the way that it's going to go. But the Lord says, I will teach you my ways. And this is what we're to teach others, the way of the Lord. And we shall walk in his paths. Here it says, come and follow me. We sing the song sometimes, Jesus, take my hand. Sometimes I get the impression what we do when we're singing that song, we want Jesus to take our hand and we want him to drag us down that pathway. I'm coming, but I'm reluctant about coming. Why? Why not rejoice in his taking our hand? Why not emphasize the walking with the Lord? Walking in his steps and following him with a joyful heart. No regrets for what we've left behind. And again, the willingness to want to share that with those with whom we come in contact with. How did Peter meet the Lord? Was it not his brother, Andrew? We found the Messiah. Come and see. What about Nathaniel? Philip inviting him. What did the Samaritan woman do after she talked with Jesus? We're talking about a Samaritan. We're talking about one, as we would use the term today, a half-breed. One despised by the true Jew. One rejected by other societies because they were not a true whatever they were. She left her water pot. She went into the city and says, come and listen to a man who knows what life's about. And the whole city came to hear. Samaritans came to hear a Jew 
earthly perspectives. Talk about a savior that it did not matter nationalities. It did not matter how society viewed. But the willingness to share what has been heard. What did Matthew, that Levi, that tax collector do when Jesus came to his house? He invited all the other tax collectors to come as well. Come and listen. That power of the invitation is tremendous. And it does not take much to make it. Invite people to come to services. Many of them will not. Most of them may not. But there'll be those that will. Invite people to study the Bible. That invitation. Let's sit down and talk to you. Might get to know you a little bit and find out where you're at and, and learn from them and where they're at and what their needs may, may be. Invite people to obey the gospel. Sad commentary when you talk to individuals and say, yes, I know. I know what the Bible says. I know a person needs to do that, but I have not done that. Why? It's always because the time isn't right. There's always a problem that has to be settled. But as you read the accounts of salvation in the book of Acts and following, when they heard, when they understood, when Peter said to the Jews of his day, you men have crucified the Son of God on a cross. They didn't say, well, wait a minute, you kind of misunderstood what we were trying to do. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Repent. Turn from that. Confess that sin. And be baptized for the remission of those sins. That you may be raised up to walk this new life. Offer that invitation to individuals. Never give up extending that invitation. You never know. What if the invitation had not been extended to the man who came to the owner of the vineyard at the 11th hour? What if the owner of the vineyard had withdrawn that invitation at the 10th hour or the 9th hour, whatever other time you might, we might want to set on individuals? Think about the 11th hour. On the other side of that, I'm always amazed, saddened by the response of the other workers. Because what is the illustration for? Is it about workers in a vineyard? Or is it about disciples of the Lord sharing that gospel with anybody they come in contact with? And then they hear the result of those workers for the Lord. Lord, we've labored all our life for you. And this one comes in on his deathbed 
and is converted, and you have just welcomed them into the kingdom with open arms. And the master's response, have I done any injustice to you? Have I? Has the Lord done any injustice to us? He's given us what we agreed to. I will become your disciple. I will serve you all of my life. And if it's for 50, 50, 60, 80 years, it does not matter. I will be faithful to your cause. And if one comes on their deathbed, well, they're only repenting because they're afraid they're going to die and go to hell. Does it matter? We ought to rejoice that they've decided to come and to be a child of God. Again, go back to 2 Chronicles 20 and read. The battle belongs to the Lord. You take up the weapon, his word. You go forth into the fields that are wide unto harvest. You scatter the seed wherever we have the opportunity. You offer the invitation. Come and learn about the Lord. Come and learn about the love of God. The world wants to stress what they see as his harshness, punishing individuals for one transgression and whatever else they want to come up with. We want to emphasize the good. We want to emphasize the good. The blessedness that he gives, the peace that he gives, the hope that he gives. And then more than that, the reward that he gives of that eternal home with him in heaven. The invitation is always open that God extends. It's open to every individual at every point in their life. The invitation to come, the invitation to stay, the invitation to work, the invitation to be faithful. And then, I, and then that invitation, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. That invitation is always extended as we look at our life where we are. Is there a need for us in our time frame to make a change? Is there a need in our life with our attitude and our perspective to reevaluate what it is that God is asking of us and if so are we willing to make the change and if so if we could assist you if we could help you in any way in making a life right with God then indeed we do bid you to come as together we stand and sing